Greetings, groovers, seekers of sophistication and lovers of literature. How are you doing? I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Literary London on Resonance 104.4 FM. How are you been? Good. Me too. Well, except for that that day. Yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, thank you for your company. Uh, we're celebrating, or commiserating, I suppose, marking the passing, the 10th anniversary of the death of Theatre Maverick Ken Campbell. Um, I never actually met Ken Campbell, but I knew about him for years at the Edinburgh Festival posters for his successful national theatre show, Pigspurt, were everywhere. Um, And then uh, during a period of time at the Edinburgh Festival this year, I bumped into one or two people who were saying, you must come to the British Library because Ken Campbell's daughter, Daisy Campbell, is doing a tribute show to her father using some of his material. So... I went alone with my trusty microphone, and God bless Daisy, she allowed me to record her. Uh, I should say there's some adult themes and some adult language in what you're about to hear, but it's uh, hugely funny and slightly surreal. So this is our third instalment. We've got one or two more to come, um, and an interview with Daisy herself to look forward to. Um, So this is the latest instalment recorded live at the British Library from Daisy Campbell's daughter of Pigspurt. So, uh, yeah, so Dad did that show at the National Theatre and it went rather well. So well, in fact, that he ended up winning an Evening Standard Critics' Choice Best Comedy Award. Critics, Dad noted, never tell the truth, not the actual truth, namely that it's all bollocks. I mean, you know, there's bollocks in blank verse and bollocks with pauses. There's uh, dreary old Russian bollocks, immersive bollocks, Brechtian bollocks, uh, bollocks, Prince of Denmark, waiting for bollocks. Bollocks on a hot tin roof. <laughs> and a uh, critic's job is just to go out and properly grade the bollocks. <laughs> they can't just turn up to the Royal Shakespeare Company's latest offering and just write bollocks in tights or something. <laughs> They've got to grade it properly. Anyway, and so, yeah, they graded Pig's funny bollocks and gave it a comedy award. Marvellous. And, um, and at the beginning of, uh, of Pig's Ken talks about his primary school years. It's the only place that I'm aware of that he does. He, um, he talks about the day that his primary school teacher, <coughs> Mrs. O'Halloran, that's it, Mrs. O'Halloran, uh, decided to tackle the subject of God. Apparently, we are all born with a little bit of the Almighty in us, our own little bit of God, and it's located somewhere in the stomach <coughs> region. But uh, every time we do something a wee bit naughty, like tell a lie, apparently writing a lie even worse, you get a little bit of dirty in your god. <laughs> and, um, and little six-year-old Ken, along with the rest of his classmates, they'd all have to write their diaries every morning. And, um, and if something a wee bit sensational had happened to you, then you might get the honour of reading your diary out to Mrs O'Halloran and the rest of the class. And as you can imagine, Ken liked to go for that (laughs) honour. But quite often it meant 
lying in his diary. <laughs> and I found this little note in the, in the storage unit that he'd written to himself, little six-year-old Ken, that said, my diary is a liary. <laughs> diary of lies. My god-all dirty diary. In heaven for me, no pies. <laughs> and he would relate all the way through his life if he just stood in the bathroom mirror and repeated the words, no pies, Kenneth. There's to be no pies for you. No pies, Kenneth. He could make the tears stream down his face. Anyway, to recap on our strange tale, there is a gap where a self should be, but it's filled with a storyteller that's masquerading as a self. But now my dead dad is masquerading as the storyteller that's masquerading as the self, and I summoned him in from the sentient mycelium below using an ancient rectal invocation <laughs> known as gastromancy. Is everybody with me? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he loved a good goad, did my dad. He lived to goad people to do the impossible. His last big uh, theatrical caper was with this fantastic group of improvisers called the School of Night, who are going to be performing here tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, they are. And uh, anyway, uh, the School of Night, and they can do ridiculous things, these guys. Like, um, they can improvise a whole new Shakespeare play, or a Chaucerian epic, or they can compose sonnets whilst counting backwards from 500 to 1 in sevens. <laughs> These extraordinary improvisers were called the Rhapsodes, and my dad was their goader. He summed his role up thus. I will give you impossible things to do, and then I'll shout at you when you can't do them. <laughs> Which more or less sums up his approach to parenting. <laughs> sticking it out because I can't seem to get around to taking it to the dump and the dogs have turned it into a kind of awful dog bed. Anyway, it's a horrible old thing. And uh, anyway, and it suddenly hits me. This stuff is mine. I mean, I've inherited all his stories. Yeah, says a voice <laughs> speaking from my stomach. It's Pigsburg. Yeah, and you can tell them as if they're yours, if you like. <laughs> no, 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 I say, no, no, that wouldn't be right. No, no, no. yeah, no, go on, tell them, tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but listen, yeah, no, you can have the lot. You say you want to do some kind of show to honour me, take them, but listen, you've got to do one thing for me. What? Take it to the end of the line, to the negation of the negation. Do we have a deal? Well, tell all these stories as if they're mine. Yeah, go on, we have a deal. And I'm hunting now through, uh, through all of these endless, these endless amounts of these boxes of research. There's a TV and its effects on the endocrine systems of rats. Um, French underwater nuclear testing in the South Pacific. Uh, endless translations of everything you can think of into pidgin English. 
And then the cathars. Oh yeah, the cathars. See, Dad used to take me out of school quite regularly, and um, the, the, uh, we'd go off on these kind of potty capers. But the most extraordinary one of all, I was about 15, and we went on this whole round trip. We went first to, um, to the Swiss Alps to visit the site where 23 cult members had burned themselves to death in a bid for willful reincarnation. It wasn't really all that much to see there, to be honest. Um, <laughs> then we went to, uh, to Rennes-le-Chateau, where the Holy Grail was thought to have rested before being unearthed by this unscrupulous vicar in the 1800s, and uh, grotesquery ensued. Anyway, read about it. Um, and, uh, and then we went to, um, to, oh man, to just outside Turin, where this community had built a temple under the ground, the most extraordinary, exquisite, beautiful thing. We're talking twice the size of St. Paul's Cathedral, this thing. Wow. And then finally, to Monsigur, the last stronghold of the Cathars before they were all burned to death by the Inquisition in the 13th century. And uh, Monsigur is basically just this enormous jutting mountain with this ruined fortress atop it. And we stayed that night in this little tumble-down French garret nestled in the side of the mountain, and me, my romantic 15-year-old self, sat in this stone turret window looking up at this extraordinary silhouette of a mountain, and there was an electrical storm. That, I mean, it was just so atmospheric. And then it was as if I could almost picture the Cathars making their final journey down Montségur and then offering themselves up onto the Inquisition pyres and taking pride in laughing at their tormentors even as they burned. The Cathars then, along with the Discordians, are my two family religions. <laughs> the Discordians worship chaos. They're a whole other show. The, um, the Cathars, on the other hand, they worship nothing. The word Cathar comes from the, um, the same root as the word catharsis, which as we know means to cleanse and purge through drama, because they are the cleansed and purified ones. And there's been a recent outbreak of Catharism. It's taken the form of money burning. You can, uh, you can buy books on Cathars, but they don't really tell you. They used to be books that really told you, but they've all been burned. They used to be people that could really tell you, but they've all been burned. You, uh, you date Catharism by when you got rid of it. Eradicated 1244 with the fall of Monsigur. It goes back acres before Jesus, though, under all sorts of other names. The Cathars believed that you shouldn't believe. They were Gnostics. And Gnostics only know what they know. <laughs> and uh, the thing that was completely obvious to them was that the creator must be a mad, balmy, deranged, evil demiurge. And all matter, down to the last atom and quark of the stuff, purest evil. Light and laughter. No, light and laughter, um, according to the Cathars, is a benign immateriality piercing in from the true God Almighty, the nothing. 
And we speak here not of the nothing which does exist. We speak of the nothing which doth not exist. <laughs> the good nothing. <laughs> known as the archon domain of eternal incredible laughter. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> so, not for them cold churches and vicars, but dancing and firesides and comedians. And although they supposed, although they believed that you shouldn't believe, they supposed that you could suppose. To the hilt, to the end of the line, end station, mass hysteria. And I'm thinking of my dad's late pal, Eddie Davies. He gave his profession as eccentric dancer and hokum maniac. <laughs> Ed was not the sort of performer to whom the likes of Richard Eyre could say, now, now, Edward, I think the author only intended titters here. <laughs> no, no, no. Ed was a hunter of the wild guffaw. And when he had one in his sights, he needed hysteria, an audience helpless, begging for less. <laughs> Eddie had that, uh, that, that skill that some of the old timers had of so suddenly excruciating his body that he could make some members of the audience, particularly the old ones, literally pee themselves. In, uh, in the 30s, Eddie had toured with um, Poison Piano, the comedy thriller, in which he played... Toes Peterson, the deaf-mute, armless amputee <laughs> who plays the piano with his feet. And in the, and in the third act climax, when Toes learns that the poison is in the trousers, Ed's portrayal of the hapless, armless Toes trying to divest his wobbly legs of the plain soiled pants. Man, he was up the walls, he was on the piano, and in Cardiff, he'd hit it. He'd hit the hokum high, clanged the lost chord of comedy, and the Cardiff audience were weeping, choking, farting, <laughs> peeing, pooing, folding, and some Welshman actually exploding and expiring in their own juices and wastes. <laughs> How did you do that? asked Ken. I wouldn't tell you if I knew, said Ed. You don't realise the awesome power of comedy, Ken. It can kill. <laughs> and then he said, I just comfort myself that it was Welshman. <laughs> anyway, according to my dad, that's what the Cathars were up to. They were attempting to wind up the whole evil material plane through comedy. Audience member, uh, but aren't you talking about the troubadours and the minstrels? And didn't they sing that awful mournful stuff, not comedy songs? That's, that's what I was taught. Yeah, you probably were. But you see, that's because them's that taught you, taught you wrong. It would be like being four hours with Ken Dodd, God rest his soul, and then reporting back 
but he'd sung tears for souvenirs. <laughs> the Inquisition won. We are taught by the descendants of the Inquisition. The first job of the seeker on leaving school is to unlearn. Otherwise, you'll never go know go nothing. <laughs> and back in the, uh, the storage unit with Pigsburt, and Pigsburt saying, oh yeah, now listen, Daisy, you see, all this chat about a missing self is really just talk about the seating arrangement. You see, you've got the seat for a self, but there's no one sitting in it. To get a self, you have to astound it into being. Oh, yeah, so how are we going to astound you a self then, Daisy? And he's looking for clues. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Manual of Psychomagic by Jodorowsky. Oh, yeah. No, uh, name your issue and Jodorowsky would have cooked up some potty caper that will help you fix it. I say a daughter with an overbearing father. Why, do you know someone? <laughs> Collider in Geneva. May all 
very likely to happen given I'm not an astrophysicist, is it? And then the phone rang. Oh, it's Bill Drummond from the Justified Ancients of Moomoo, previously the 90s dance group KM. Well, he wants to know if I'll come and meet with him and his partner in crime, Jimmy Corty. Bloody hell, says Pigsburg. Those are the only two people I know who may have actually astounded themselves selves. <laughs> well, you're on a roll, girl. We may yet get you to the end of the line. Giorgio, could you could you play that uh, that track there? Jimmy turned to Bill and said, I think we should burn it. <laughs> and they did. 
in a boathouse in Jura. Now, as John Higgs, who's written a whole book about this, he's the uh, keeper of the Queen of Swords, incidentally, as he says, um, it's one thing to start burning a million pounds. It's quite another thing to finish burning a million pounds. And so Bill and Jimmy, a.k.a. the Justified Ancients of Mumu, a.k.a. the KLF, still remain the greatest creators of nothing from something. And uh, they then made a pact not to talk about the burning of the million pounds for 23 years. And last summer, that 23 years were up. And they, uh, in case any doubt should arise in their minds about talking in between these times, they wrote the contract on the side of a Nissan Bluebird and then pushed it off Cape Roth. I mean, yes, that would astound you a self. Anyway, 23 years up last summer and hence the phone call from Bill Drummond. And so I meet with him and Jimmy in the same cafe in Clerkenwell. Bill explains to me, we're building an enormous brick pyramid. Yeah. Yeah, and this whole thing is to be announced as part of a three-day epic event in Liverpool. Um, it will also mark the 23 years since the burning of the million pounds, and uh, it will be attended by 400 paying volunteers who will, in fact, create the very event that they think they are attending. Will you direct? <laughs> <laughs> yes, fuck yes, I said. Of course I said yes. And um, incidentally, at one point during that conversation, I made the mistake of asking Bill and Jimmy why it was they were doing a particular thing. And Bill looked at me sternly and said, Dizzy, Dizzy, why? As to why, if we knew why, we wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> so this, I could do an entire show about those epic three days in Liverpool and the whole thing. It was extraordinary, nearly killed me. Um, anyway, but we're, um, for our purposes, we're going to fast forward to day three, and we are now coming up to the rites of mumification. Um, the 400 are in Topsteth in Liverpool, and they are now painting their, their, each other's faces into grotesque death masks in readiness for they know not what. I, meanwhile, have managed to get the microphone to Jarvis Cocker, who's hidden in a cupboard in a blue robe. And I, uh, I slip in the Knight of Wands while I'm there. He nods as if expecting it. And, uh, and the rites of mumification begin. And what happened next? You'll have to wait until next time to find out how the mumification went. <laughs> Thanks very much to uh, Daisy. That's uh, a great, it's a great show. Um, extracts there from Daughter of Pigspurt, a tribute to her father, Ken Campbell, by Daisy Campbell, recorded live at the British Library, uh, which is a great institution as well, by the way. If you've not been to the British Library, you should really... The uh, first time I went to the British Library, I kind of walked in through the doors, going, ooh, and then somewhere on the left there's a little room, and there in front of you is a Magna Carta. One of the copies of the Magna Carta. Pretty impressive. Um, as was that evening. Uh, and uh, there will be our, our final part of uh, Daughter of 
Pigsbert, our tribute, our literary London tribute here on Resonance 104.4 FM to the great theatrical maverick, Ken Campbell, writer, uh, director, because he trained at RADA as well before he decided to uh, opt out of that and develop his essence accent again. And uh, he died 10 years ago uh, in November. Uh, and uh, it's it's great. There's a lovely bunch of people involved with that. We also have, you may know Nina Conti. She has an act called Monkey. Nina Conti is one of uh, uh, Ken Campbell's uh, alumni, really. She uh, worked with him for a while. And he got her into doing puppetry. And we're going to be talking to Nina uh, next time as well. Uh, in the meantime, right now, that's kind of it for me. But thank you for your company. If you'd like to get in touch, if there's an event happening. Oh, by the way, and well done to Dave the Hat in Soho for the launch of his book called Earwigging. We'll be talking to Dave the Hat at a later point. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, then please feel free to do so. Email's probably easiest. Radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk Radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk This show is repeated on Resonance FM on Tuesday afternoons, or you can catch it on the londonliterarypubcrawl.com podcast uh, page. Have you got all that? Yeah. LondonLiteraryPubCrawl.com podcast page. Marvellous stuff. Thanks again for your company. I'll see you next time. My name's Nick Hennigan. This is Literary London on Resonance 104.4 FM. <laughs>